to go ahead and get your Bibles and stand. Let's see, did it, am I on this now? Can you hear? Am I on this? That is on. Good. And uh, didn't have the trouble Brother Davis did last night. And uh, preacher helped me ahead of time instead of uh, afterwards. And it is a blessing to be here today. It's a blessing uh, to be with you. Blessing to work with Brother Fugit and the other men, ladies here. Blessing to serve God. And uh, appreciate you coming and uh, being with us. And uh, yeah, anyhow, uh, turn your Bibles if you would, Genesis chapter 18. And uh, I'll preach to you this morning about what you can do for America. Uh, we get a lot of different ideas in uh, our country, and we're trying to, people talk about trying to save America, save our nation, uh, revive our nation, make it great again. America's never going to be made great again, I don't think, by the politicians. Again, I'm for that. I'm, I'm glad to be involved in it. I vote every year, vote every election, every primary, every general, uh, give little bits of money here and there to different politicians and campaigns walk a precinct once in a while, but I don't, and so I, again, I'm, I'm for that, make phone calls and you know, all that kind of stuff, but I think if America is going to be spared, it's not, that's, the answer isn't there, the answer is going to come from God's people, and I think to a great extent what we saw in the last election is a result of uh, God's people being involved and working and praying and everything else. Uh, Genesis chapter 18 I'm going to read several verses here, a familiar passage, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah beginning in uh, verse 20, and I'll skip a little bit in the interest of time. Uh, Genesis 18:20. and the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is very great, and because their sin is very grievous, uh, God says, I'm going to go down and judge them. And verse 23, Abraham drew near and said, wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? And uh, you might have underlined the word righteous as we go through here. If you've got a pen, you're used to doing that in your Bible. Verse 24, peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, that the, uh, and that the righteous should be at the wicked as the wicked." That be far from thee shall not the judge of all the earth do right. And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then will I spare all the place for their sakes. And uh, you go down then, verse 28, And uh, peradventure there shall lack five of the fifty. Abraham says, Wilt thou also, uh, fifty righteous, wilt thou also destroy the city for lack of five? And he goes from fifty to forty-five to forty to thirty to twenty, and then uh, down in verse thirty-two. And he said, "O oh, let not the Lord be angry." Abraham speaking there says, "O oh, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak yet, but this once. Peradventure there be ten. Peradventure ten shall be found there." And uh, he said, "God said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake." Let's pray, Father. I pray that you'd be with us today. Holy Spirit, speak to hearts as I speak to ears, and uh, God, do in hearts what uh, no human can do. Convict of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, move, work in my heart, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Look, I, I think uh, the answer to America, what you can do for America, again, uh, is going to start out along the, you know, start out... 
God says, I'm going to spare the land if I can find 50 righteous there. It's not up to how bad the sin is. And if you look at this, if you look at the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and you think what all was done there and the horrible sins, you know, we even name sins after them now. And uh, you think about everything that was done there, the blatantness of it, the openness of it. And uh, in some ways it kind of reminds you of America today. And, uh, you know, the sin in our country is horrible. It's getting more and more blatant, more and more open. You look at the different, uh, you know, it's not only that people sin, but they're proud of it. Uh, Romans chapter 1 talks about, you know, who not only do such, but have pleasure in them that do it. I mean, you know, they're proud of the fact. Uh, hey, I'm a sinner. I want everybody. Now, they don't use that word, but uh, they, you know, what it amounts to is, I'm a sinner. I want everybody to know it. Yeah. I, don't condemn me because I'm doing wrong. Uh, I'm proud of what I'm doing wrong. And things that when I was your age weren't even, I mean, it weren't even spoken of, weren't even thought of. Yeah. Now it's on the front page of the news, evening news. Yeah. I mean, it's open and blatant. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's different. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, think, again, things that, uh, when I was your age, and I, I think, you know, even Brother Fugit, who's 10, 15, 25, 35 years younger than I am, I don't know, about 10, keep going. Uh, you didn't talk about the kind of stuff we do now. What involved? I mean, you know, I, I went large public high school, Racine, Wisconsin, wrestled in high school. Went to Division I college, wrestled there for a year. You know, was involved in different things, sports, athletic, you know, all that kind of But the things that uh, are commonplace today, you know, weren't even thought of back then. And, uh, but the sin in America is getting more and more open. It's more and more blatant. Something needs to be done about it. But, you know, as you read what's being, what, as you read the book of Genesis there and the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, God didn't tell Abraham, uh, or Lot or anybody else, if you can get the sinners here in Sodom to be less sinful, or if you can get them to be a little more quiet about it, not as open about it, then I'm going to spare your city. God said, all you've got to do, Abraham and Lot, Lot was living there, all you've got to do, Abraham and Lot, is find ten righteous people. And if you can find ten righteous people, don't worry about the sinners, just find, ten, find me ten righteous and I'll spare the entire city for the sake of ten righteous. I believe that's God's principle. I believe God spares judgment on a nation, on a city, on a community for the sake of the righteous remnant. Didn't talk about a moral majority. And again, I'm not, you know, I like to see majorities, I, you know, whatever. But it talks about a righteous remnant. If you can find me ten folks who are saved and living for God, righteous people, then I'll spare the city. If you want to help save America, if you want to do something for America, the first thing you and I ought to do is be part of that righteous remnant. I need to, again, I don't have much hope in uh, necessarily uh, switching the moral direction of this nation. You know, some of them may political, whatever, uh, maybe we'll make some progress. But, uh, you know, I don't know that we're ever going to change the moral direction our country is going. But I do have hope that we can build a righteous remnant. Amen. And what I've given my life to, and Brother Fugit and others uh, you know, have given our lives to, is trying to work to help to build a righteous remnant. 
That's why we go around the country. That's why we promote college. That's why we're uh, working here and trying to invest in young people because we want to help build a righteous remnant in this country. And although I don't have much hope of you know having everybody in charge, I mean, that'd be great. But I do have hope of starting another church here and another one there and taking a dead church here and one that's so-so there and building it up. And maybe we can get a righteous remnant in this country enough that God will spare His judgment. But that's that's the Bible principle. If you and I are going to be a part of that righteous remnant, we've got to live a righteous life. I think it's more than being saved. I think it's a matter of being a righteous remnant. You ought to live a righteous life. You want to be a part of that remnant. If you're going to do that, you ought to live by Bible standards. You ought to live a clean life. I mean, the Bible gives us principles in our life. You know, my goal in life ought to be to glorify God and serve Him by serving others. That's what I'm trying to do in my life. I want to glorify God and serve Him by serving others. It's kind of hard to serve God directly. Kind of hard to give God money directly, take Him, do anything. But I can serve Him by serving others. I can take the message of salvation to others. I can take the message of happy, joyful Christian life to others. I can serve God by serving others. That's the goal of my life. If that's the goal of my life, then I want to stay away from anything that's going to keep me from fulfilling that goal. That makes sense. And Brother Hiles says, and I, in his book on biblical separation, and I quote it a lot, you know, the list of things from which you should separate is not an arbitrary list. God doesn't sit down and say, well, if you're going to be a part of that righteous life and live a righteous life, well, let's, let's see, I think I'll just make up a list of things that you shouldn't do. It's not an arbitrary list. It's a list of things that are going to keep us from fulfilling the very purpose of our existence, which is to glorify God. Young people, when your pastor, youth pastor, or preachers get up and say, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, we're not trying to steal your fun. Well, we don't sit around sometime and say, well, let's see, what's, but if you get what's fun? I'm married, got a wonderful life, wife, kissing is fun. Let's make a rule against kissing, that's fun. We, we want to steal their fun. I've never been drinking much, you know, never had a taste of alcohol or anything, but brother Cooper, I, no. <laughs> Somebody said drinking's fun. Okay, we'll make a rule against drinking. Somebody said, we, we don't sit around and say, well, let's see, we'll try and steal all their fun. What are we doing at the college? Well, uh, you know, hey, I heard this is fun. Let's make a rule against it. Heard that's fun. Let's make a rule against it. Some of you think that's how we make rules. Some of you think that's how your pastor, youth pastor, decide what to preach. Look, if my goal is to glorify God and to serve Him by serving others, then I want to stay away from anything that's going to keep me from fulfilling that goal. I want to try and live for God. And as far as that goes, if you have having real fun in life is serving God and serving Him by serving others. No better life than serving God. There's no better life than the ministry. But anyhow, I want to live for God. I want to make my life count for Him. Don't try to be like the world. You know, the world doesn't have anything to offer you. I get so tired of Christians that are trying to be like the world. 
I, I want to be like you. They have nothing to give you. That's right. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. That's right. They have money, and they have this, and they have that. A lot of them don't have money. That's right. I mean, they'll show you on the billboard, it looks like they've got money. Sipping their cocktails and carrying on and all that kind of stuff. But you go to the other places, there aren't any money. And not uncommonly, you go into those fancy homes, there's no joy, there's no home, there's no family. You've got a house. The world doesn't have anything to offer you. I'm not trying to be like the world. I'm not trying to be cool. I don't want you to... I don't want to follow them. I don't want anybody to think I'm trying to be like the world's crowd, the devil's crowd. I sure don't want to look like I'm following some rock star. I mean, that's not my goal. I look like a Christian. Somebody goes out and sees me, I'd be glad if they say, hey, well, that guy might be a Christian. And sometimes, as far as that goes, you know, the way you dress keeps you out of a lot of trouble. I love bus ministry. My wife and I, I mean, my wife and I personally... The two of us go out and visit on a bus route just about every Saturday we're in Lexington. We're gone quite a few, preaching other things, you know, vacation, summer, no. We're gone quite a few, but just about every Saturday we're in Lexington, we're out on a bus route somewhere. Through the years, I sometimes, a lot of times alone, visiting on bus routes, I, I get into the, you know, the worst neighborhoods, the areas where we live. I've never been approached by anybody asking me to take, you know, would you like my drugs? Never been approached with any other illicit offers. Never have. Now I knock on doors out there, sometimes people say, oh, we thought you were a preacher. I guess that's why they didn't offer me that junk. Some will say, oh, we, I've had people say, oh, I thought maybe you were a detective. I'm wearing a you know windbreaker or something, shirt and tie, nice trousers. They, oh, I thought you were a tech detective. They're not offering me drugs yeah. or other stuff. Yeah. I've had a few say we thought you were a lawyer. They're still not offering me the bad stuff. That's good. Yeah. I don't want to get offered the bad stuff. Oh, stay away from that. Oh, you know, as you think about principles that would uh, set up standards in your life, look, don't try to be like the world. You don't want to develop, in addition to that, number next or whatever, don't try to develop appetites that have no proper fulfillment. And a lot of the standards and the rules that we have in fundamentalism deal with that. I don't want you to develop, I don't want to develop in my own life, I don't want to develop appetites that have no proper fulfillment. You say, well, why can't we, you know, as a couple, why can't we drive around alone in the car, be all by ourselves? You know, what's wrong? Nothing the Bible says you can't be. A... No, but I tell you, you get out there sitting alone in the car someplace yeah. with your girlfriend yeah. or your boyfriend. Sure. Hopefully, there's nobody, no any of you guys want to be out there with your boyfriend or, you know, I mean, I don't know. You get out there driving around, sitting around, talking like that. You're feeding appetites that at that point in your life have no proper fulfillment. 
And uh, y- y- you don't want to do that. Why can't we just kind of sit this close? Or, you know, there's nothing the Bible says you can't be this far from each other, staring, looking at each other. But, you know, <laughs> you know, some, somebody gets that close to you, you feel like, man, get away. Unless it's your girlfriend. Then you feel like, get close. Been married a long time, it works. You feel like, get oh, you're feeding appetites that have no proper fulfillment. You don't want to do that. You don't want your life to wind up messed up and wrecked up and ruined. If you're going to be part of the righteous remnant, you're going to have to live a holy life. You ought to stay away from alcohol and drugs. Some of you young people here, and you say, oh yeah, you know, I wouldn't want to do that, and so on. But yet some of you will. Some of you have been saved a shorter time, and you're debating that, and you're around it, and you're at home with it. You're going home with it. And you think, well, I don't know, it looks like fun. They say it gives them a good feeling. You're going to ruin your life. The end, you know, wine is a mocker. You may make, it looks good, but you get drinking it a lot and it says, ha, fooled you. It'll mock you. Make you, make, you want to stay away from that stuff. Drugs ruin your life. I mean, there ain't anything there. All of us know where it winds up. Hey, you don't have to be a Christian to know where drugs are going to lead you and wind you up. Why would in the world would anybody get... Well, I just wanted to try it once. You're developing an appetite that's already wrong and it's going to take you places you don't want to go. You know, stay out of that junk. You want to stay away from the alcohol, the booze, and the drugs, and the cigarettes are going to tear up your body. I mean, it... it Say, Brother George, are you trying to keep me having fun? No, I'm trying to get you to have fun. I want you to be able to have a good home and a love and a, you know, a house that you own, and your money isn't all going down the drain. I want you to be able to have a nice family and a good wife and a happy marriage. I want you to be able to have rewards in heaven. And uh, yeah, I, I just want to serve God with my life. I want to challenge you today. Stay away from the rock music. And the contemporary and all this kind of... Look, man. What's wrong with the songs you've been singing here? Group they just sang is uh, 2016 Voice of Melody. My wife and I traveled with them last summer, some in the fall. Sweet, godly girls. That, That song, man... I think as her saying, man, I, I'm not what I ought to be. I've got sin in my past. I, I, sin, I, I mean, I sin. So do you, according to the Bible. Satan comes and accuses me and accuses me to God or whatever. It says, man, you're not perfect, Jorgensen. I say, boy, you're sure right. Wish I were better, but I'm not. You're you're right. Not perfect. 
You don't deserve for God to use you. And I say, yep, you're right. You don't deserve to be up there preaching. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve, you're a sinner. And I'll say, yeah, that's true. But you know what? It's under the blood. My life's been changed. Not what I want to be yet, but I'm not what I, I'm growing in Christ. I don't know anything gets you more excited or happy or anything about that. I'm saved. God uses me. And you know, those of you who feel like, well, I'm not perfect. God can't. You know, nobody's perfect. I had one of the girls that traveled with us several years ago, Hillary Taylor now, said, I was a bus kid, broken home and everything else, and I, I, I knew it wasn't what I should have been. And I figured I could never go to Bible college because when I go to Bible college, all those kids there would be church kids and preacher's kids and missionary kids, and they'll all be perfect. <laughs> and I know I'm not. But by faith she came and she said, you know, I got there, I found out they weren't perfect. None of us are. But God wants to use every one of us. One of the things that amazes me in my Christian life as much as anything is that God will use people. People that aren't perfect. I mean, I don't, Brother Cooper and I, pretty good friends, acquaintances, we know each other. I don't know of a flaw he has. I look at him and say, Man, he looks perfect to me. And he may, I don't know, you may look at me and see, feel the same way. Maybe you, know, you say, oh, no, no, I can tell you. <laughs> but I can tell you more about me than he could. Yeah, that's right. And I feel sure he says, God's a miracle. You could use me. I need some of that revival in my life that I preached about this morning. God, help me to believe that you're alive. We're all human. God wants to use you. But you can't get messed up in alcohol and drugs and worldly music. The lives of the performers, the words. I mean, it's... it's Dancing and hugging and... Central movements. Hugging people. I mean, I like hugging my wife. That's the only person I'm supposed to be hugging on. Gambling. Some of you now, I guess, you know, I, I don't know, I guess you play it on your phone. I left my phone in the back. You play it on your phone. You can gamble on your phone now. They talk about all the different things you can bet on. You know, who's going to score the first touchdown? How many yards the first play will go for? I mean, bet on anything. I'm supposed to be, you know, money in my wallet isn't mine. It's God's. I I don't, or my wife's one of the two. Uh, (laughs) Money in my wallet isn't mine. Belongs to God. I am be gambling it away. I use it for Him. He'd be a good steward of my money. I want to stay out of the movie house. Now you go to a movie on a date, people are going to assume you're 
Why else would you go? I mean, when I was your age, I used to joke around and say, Oh yeah, I went and saw that movie once, but I was on a date. This time I want to go so I can see the movie. Because when we went on the date, we didn't see the movie. (laughs) That's what folks used to say. That was when I was your age. I'm sure it's not better now. You want that testimony? You're a mess up. You have no business in there. I'll challenge you today to get married pure. If you're going to get married pure, you're going to have to stay. You're going to have to keep a distance. You can't be hugging and kissing on everybody you meet. It just won't work. The best place for your first kiss is at the wedding altar. That's just what I think. So I think maybe it'd be okay to do something, but yeah, I tell you what, you won't do wrong by staying too, by going too slow on that stuff. At some point, you're feeding appetites that at that point in your life have no proper fulfillment. So it's got to stop somewhere. You know, I don't want to. I want you to stop way back at the beginning. Then you're feeding appetites that don't have any proper fulfillment. And uh, getting into stuff like you, know, you want to stay pure. You want to be able to walk to the altar, and you want to be able to stand with a testimony. Say, God, I've had one woman in my life. That's my wife. It's my testimony. Say, you missed. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what I missed, but uh, I know what I've got's pretty good. I know it's Bible way. One of the girls in a group, that may have been one of you last summer, said was talking with one of her bus kids, and do you have a boyfriend? Yes. You've been dating, you know, how long are you, are you dating him? Yeah. One of the bus girls, teen girl, maybe somebody here today, I don't know. So are you guys kissing? And the college girl said, why No. And the bus kid said, well, you're not dating then. If you're not kissing, you're not dating. That's, it's good to save yourself for marriage. So if I don't kiss, then he won't like me. Then find somebody that wants to serve God. Well, if I don't take this one, I may not get one. You'd be better off being single wishing you were married than married wishing you were single. Well, we'll just move in together and see how it works. And seem, I mean, that seems to be the is commonly accepted now. Television shows, everything else. I mean, that's, oh, that's what people do. But it's not what God says to do. You know, marriage first. You don't move in together and, you know, we're getting closer now. We'll move in together for a while. Then after a while, we'll think about getting married. No! You've got to follow God's order. You can't be a part of God's righteous remnant if you're out messing around and shacking up. And That that isn't Bible. That's not the Bible way. I think the Bible says, Thou shalt not commit adultery, doesn't it? I mean, didn't you learn that in grade school someplace? I learned that in the Lutheran church. 
back in the day. Raised Lutheran. But we memorized the Ten Commandments. And to be honest with you, in that Lutheran church, 50 years ago, they taught me that thou shalt not commit adultery. That seems like that would be good for Baptists too then, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I want to live for God. I want to stay clear of the mess on challenge. Stay clear of the mess on the internet. Well, I got all the, you know, if you want to have a faith, different accounts, whatever, social media and so on, but you got to monitor that you can't mess around with everything under the sun. I got 5,000, I got a thousand friends. They're in one of those that's your friend. Not that you met that way. Not a one of them. Well, I'm lonely, so I'm just looking for some friends, and I'll post that. And you'll get people that will want to be friends with you, but not in the right way. You start messing around with that, and here's this, and here's that, and send me a picture, and send me another picture, and a different picture, and a bad picture. Never dawn on you that's called the World Wide Web for a reason? Well, I didn't think everybody would see it. It's the World Wide Web. You, know, you put it out there, it's there. Well, I'll take it down later. It's there. Well, I just intended for a couple people to see it. It's the World Wide Web. Don't mess up your life. What are you going to do? You're out trying to serve God someday and somebody says, Hey, look at this old picture I found of our ooh. preacher, preacher's wife. So how can you make sure that doesn't happen? Don't do it. It's pretty simple. I was younger. I used to get speeding tickets sometimes. And I thought, you know, this is, after a while I thought, this is dumb. I'm not getting there that much faster. It's costing me a bunch of money for the ticket, higher insurance rates. And so, you know what? I haven't gotten a speeding ticket, I don't think, in 30, 35 years. You know, I stopped getting them. I stopped speeding. You don't want those pictures out there. Easy way to make sure they don't show up. You don't want those sentences and comments out there. Don't put them up. You know, you're going to be friends. I mean, you're going to have friends on social media. They ought to be your friends. So I'm looking for friends and, you know, and I want to brag. I got more than he does. Who cares? Those people aren't your friends. Friends are people that are there for you. Anyhow. When I'm going to be a part of the righteous remnant, I got to stay pure. If I'm going to be a part of the righteous remnant, I'm going to have to watch my appearance. First Timothy two nine talks about modest apparel. You ought to live right. You ought to dress like right and look right. I want to look like a Christian. I enjoy Kentucky basketball since I moved here. Go to most of the home games. I'm going to talk more about that tonight a little bit in a sermon illustration. But you know, when I go to a Kentucky game, I want to look like a Kentucky fan. I've been a Green Bay Packer fan forever. We went to a Green Bay. Uh, my son, grandson, and I went to a Green Bay Packer game in Cincinnati on a Saturday night preseason. 
We were the visiting team. We were in a foreign country, more or less. We were in a minority. But I wore everything green and gold, green Bay's color that I had. Because I want people to say, he must be a Packer fan. I sure wasn't going to wear anything that looked like I might have been a Bengal fan. Look, you and I are Christians. We're in this country. We're in a minority. It's not our homeland. Our citizenship isn't here. It's in heaven. We're in a minority. But I want to look like I'm a Christian. I don't want to look like I'm part of this world. I don't mind going out. People say, well, maybe he's a preacher. Maybe he's a detective. Maybe he's a lawyer. I don't want him thinking, maybe he's a drug dealer. Maybe he's looking for drugs. Maybe he's looking for this. Maybe he's looking for that. Oh, look like a Christian. If I can be proud of Green Bay Packers and Kentucky Wildcats, I ought to be proud of Jesus. Think that makes sense? You go to your public schools next week. Why don't you decide I'm going to look like a Christian? So, well, I won't get invited to some stuff. Keep you out of a lot of trouble. Just like I don't get offered bad stuff on the bus routes. Say, well, you wouldn't take it, would you? No, I wouldn't intend to. But I'm better off not getting tempted. So are you. Oh, look like a Christian. Men ought to have short hair. 1 Corinthians 11, 14, 15. I, you know, women ought to dress modestly. Women, I think, ladies, girls, I think you ought to get rid of your pants, your britches. Deuteronomy 22, 5 says, you know, men and women aren't supposed to dress like each other, not supposed to wear each other's clothes. That's what it says. Brother Fugit says, you know, some people ask him about it. He'll say, I just don't see any exceptions to it in the Bible. So, well, I can't do this and be modest. Well, I don't know any Bible verses that command you to climb a climbing wall or do flips or anything else. But I do know Bible verses that command you not to be or command you to be modest. I don't know any Bible verses that command you to get a suntan on the beach. But I do know Bible verses that command you to be modest. I mean. Some of you know why it's in the Old Testament. Proverbs 7 uh, verse 10 talks about the attire of a harlot. That's Old Testament too. But it's still wrong. Some of you know why in the Old Testament they all wore the same thing. No, they didn't. Otherwise the verse doesn't make any sense. Saw a thing the other day. Somebody said, man, you're, you're so dumb. If you donated your brain for science, science would send it back. They all wore the same thing. No, they didn't. Moses would have said, God, what do you mean we shouldn't wear the same? We all wear the same clothes. Obviously, they didn't all wear the same clothes. Word breeches appears five times in the Bible. Every time, it's a men's garment. Pants that he wore under the tunic type thing that he wore. Women didn't wear them. That's a Bible standard. That's not what Paris says or Hollywood says. What the Bible says. And uh, you ought to dress right. I want to be a Christian. I want to be identified with Christ. Best life in the world is being a Christian. I mean, it's 
purpose to each life and even more. It's, it's just wonderful to be a Christian. Amen. There is meaning to each day and even more. I have purpose now I never had before. Yeah. A reason for getting out of bed in the morning. A reason for serving God. Amen. I mean, Christian life is the best life in the world. Brother, somebody says, Brother Jorgensen, you're preaching legalism. Well, I don't know the word legalism or legal isn't in the Bible. You say, well, you're preaching that some things are wrong. Yep. Everybody preaches some things are wrong. They just don't like it when you preach it's wrong about what they're doing. They all would say, well, that's wrong. Oh, that's legalism. That We just got different, different rules. Some of you, well, I just don't think it's, I think it's okay to wear fewer clothes than you think. Okay, but you still think we should wear clothes? Oh, yes. Well, you're a legalist. Everybody has rules. I mean, yeah. So, you know, well, it's personal separation. That means it's up to you to decide personally what's right and what's wrong. That's a... No! It's called personal separation because it deals with your person. God's the one who sets up what's right and wrong. Not you or me. God sets the rules. I don't set the rules. You don't set the rules. It's not up to me to say, well, let's see, what do I think is right? It's up to me to look at this book and say, God, what do you think is right? If you're going to be part of the righteous remnant, you're going to have to live for God. You're going to have to live right and look right and act like a Christian. And, uh, you know, it's, God made everybody male and female. It's all He made. Well, if you get mentioned that already, maybe I don't. Maybe preaching it again. But I, read the Bible. How many did He make? He made a male and female. That's all God made. That's all there is. So, well, I think there's something in between. No, there isn't. There are people who mixed up. I don't know how in the world you get mixed up over something as basic as that. You know, you go to the hot. You get. Uh, if you come with child, you go to the doctor and you say, are we going to have a boy or a girl? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And when you get, uh, I don't know, what is it, three months, six months, something like that? <laughs> Can't remember. His wife's going to have a baby. And uh, But you get to, now, didn't do it back, couldn't do it back when we were having our kids. But nowadays you go to the doctor and the doctor will tell you when you're three months, six months along, something like that, oh, it's going to be a boy. I always wondered how they know that nowadays. I thought you had to wait till he was 13, 14, 15 to find out if he's a boy or a girl. That's what the news tells you. Don't they? But doctors tell you before he's even born whether it's a boy or a girl. I mean, that isn't rocket science. They don't say, well, we can't, you know, Mr. and Ms. Cooper, we're sorry, we can't tell you if it's a boy or a girl. You're going to have to wait until he's 13, 14, 15, or she, or shim, or whatever. It's 13, 14, 15 before you can find out. And maybe they'll even find out later in life, you know, maybe even after they're married. They'll find, you know, find out, you know, you thought it was a boy, but it was really a girl. That doesn't even make sense. Say, much less being biblical. I'll live for God. 
If you're going to somebody says, "Well, we got to be like the world if we're going to influence them." No, you don't. You got to be different. Lot was just like the people in Sodom, or masqueraded like them, looked like them. Had such a little Christian testimony that in Genesis 19:4, when Lot went to his children or his sons-in-law, when Lot went to his sons-in-law to say, "Hey, we got to get out of here. God's going to judge the na- God's going to judge the city. He's going to destroy it. We got to leave." His sons-in-law said, he, he seemed as one that mocked. That's right. Exactly. His sons-in-law said, Dad, God spoke to you? <laughs> That's what it says. He seemed as one that mocked. Oh, God told me. God told you. That's what little testimony he had. You're going to Lot was... Like the Sodomites, looked like them, was involved in their government, sat in the gate, but he didn't have any influence for God. Zero Christian testimony, even with his own family. You're going to influence the world. You can't be like them. You're going to have to be different. You want to help save America? You need to be a part of the righteous remnant. You're going to help save America? You need to win souls. You're going to be a part of the saving America, and I'm not going to preach on that. I'm going to keep moving along, but you ought to be a soul winner. Amen. You're going to be a part of the righteous remnant, you're going to, or you're going to help save America. You ought to be a part of the righteous remnant. You ought to be a soul winner, and you ought to get others to live for God and serve Him. Amen. I don't care how you make your living, but you ought to spend your life serving God. Somebody said, I think it was William Carey, oh, Mr. Carey, you're a cobbler, a shoemaker. He said, no, I pay my bills by making shoes. My life is serving God. Amen. That's right. It was one of those men. Hey, your life ought to be serving God. Amen. You ought to be tied up in a Sunday school class and teaching and working. The America needs, we need bus workers and pastors and Sunday school teachers and youth directors and Christian school teachers. We need people to help impact others' lives. You want to spend your life serving God. And be honest with you, a good place to prepare for that is a good Bible college. Oh, I spend my life serving Him. You know, I. Uh, Luke 16, 19, oh, well, I want to make money. Luke 16, it talks about the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man had it good for a while. Lazarus had it bad for a while. Kind of flipped when they died. Matthew 13, 22 says, Don't let the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches cause you to be unfruitful in the work of God. Riches are deceitful, according to the Bible. Oh, if I had money. The Bible says, Rich, it's deceit, the cares of this world. I want to spend my life serving God. We decide today, I want, to serve, I want to go to America. I want to be somebody that's on the Lord's side. I want to say, Lord, Isaiah 6, 8, here am I, Lord, send me. I want to live clean and pure. I want to win souls. I want to invest in others and try and get them to live clean and pure. I want to help build a righteous remnant in this country. You're not going to help save this country by messing around on Facebook and putting stuff up there that you got no business putting up. Again, I'm not preaching against having it. I'm preaching against using it wrong. 
And I'm afraid probably most of the teenagers that have it use it wrong. But, God, I want to be different. I want to be like Lot. Can you imagine going to your kids and say, come on, we've got to get out of here, and they're joking. God spoke to you. I don't have a testimony better than that. I'm my kids to, and I, I mean, I don't have perfect walk with God. I don't, I mean, I, I'm human. I won't have a testimony where at least my children think that if I need a prayer answered, I can call dad or text him and he'll pray. I don't want them thinking no point in talking to him. I'll make a difference for Christ in this country. I want to be a part of the righteous remnant. I want to help you to build and be a part of the righteous remnant in your high school, in your community, in your city, in your church. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I wonder if there's somebody here today who would say, Brother Jorgensen, I want to be a part of that righteous remnant. Maybe there was something in your life, separation-wise, God spoke to your heart about today. You've been messing with it, toying with it, thinking about it. You say, God convicted me about that today. I'm going to stay clear of it. I'm going to try and do right. I'm going to try and live for God. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you. God spoke to me about something in my life this morning where I've been thinking about it, toying with it. I'm going to make a decision today to do right about it. Raise your hand. Balcony, main floor. And put your hands down. I'll pray in a minute. I wonder if there's somebody here today who would say, Brother Jorgensen, I'm going to work to be a part of the righteous remnant. I'm, and then I'm going to try and win souls and influence others to do the same. I want my life to count for Jesus. I'll work to be a part of that remnant and get others to join me. Would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you. My hand's up on that. Let's stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. I'll pray. And then after I pray, the pianist will play. I don't know if you can move forward or not, but you ought to at least kneel there in your seat. Heavenly Father, I pray, help us to make decisions to live a pure, clean, holy life. Give us victory over temptation that comes in our life. Help us to live for you. Help us to win souls. Help us to help others to do the same. I pray pray for these that raise their hands, said, I'm making a decision today to make a change in my life, some matter of separation. Help them to do it. Help them to overcome the temptations that come when they get home. Sometimes maybe peer pressure, family pressure. Help each of us to do that, we pray. Help all of us to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. As they begin to play, if God spoke to your heart, you move forward if you want to do that, if you want to kneel there in your seat. If you want to go to your youth director, your counselor, parent, Say, please pray for me. That might be a good idea. God, I want to be a part of the righteous remnant. I want to help build that in my school, my home. Some of you have difficulty standing for God even in your own home. It's not right there and you know it. It's going to be hard. I want to be a part of that righteous remnant. I want to stand for Christ. I want to look like a Christian. I want to dress like a Christian. Somebody in my public school may say, Hey, I think she got religion. I think he got religion. What happened to you? You got a new haircut. 
I'll be a Christian. I don't want to look like I'm following some punk rock star. Look like I'm Christian.